brown skin, love of brown skin, love of brown. I'm hype, yo. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host, Greg E.O.D., Culture change agent. You already know on this show we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, to empower, and inspire our current and future generations of leaders. Man, it's crazy. I was on the road and somebody thought that I was the rapper behind the brown skin lover. I'm like, yo, I don't rap. <laughs> but actually, it's my line brother, Laka Shaw. Man, he's out in LA right now. Crazy album, crazy energy, man. Make sure you go cop it on iTunes. And before I go, you already know I got a couple housekeeping things. First, 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 listen out a prayer. Um, if you're not a praying person, send out a thought, a concern, something to Houston. Oh, man, I know they're going through a lot right now, and I was just up there a month ago recording a live podcast, and so many lives, so many people are affected, so um, I send my personal prayers out to all those in Houston that are affected by um, the hurricane, so please, please, please stay safe, um, stay vigilant, um, stay positive, and let's, let America got you, America got you, all right? Second. I am excited to announce we got merchandise now. You can get the Minority Trailblazer hoodies, black, white, gray, navy, uh, t-shirts, black, white, gray, navy, uh, v-necks for the ladies, black, white, gray, navy, online at minoritytrailblazer.com. Also, you can now register early birds still in Still in effect. I haven't really began promotion, so you need to go ahead and copy your tickets to the Minority Trailblazer conference. And all information is at MTB conf.com is going to be in the show notes it's going to be a phenomenal conference i do have the option you do have the option to put rather uh deposit down so if you can't afford the the early bird you can go ahead and lock your rate now all right and then last but certainly not least i'm excited to announce a new program and i'm only taking 16 yep i said a 16 individuals that are interested in growing or starting his career in speaking podcasting or writing books uh i have a a program it's going to be 50 dollars a month only taking two classes of eight people a piece we're going to be meeting every other saturday i'm bringing on special guests it's going to be exciting and you can find out more information on that at gregehill.com backslash thrive group that will be in the show notes so i'm excited about that so i'm looking forward to growing and, and building so while I'm climbing, bringing other people up there. So if you are interested in podcasting, writing a book, speaking, and you just need to know where to start or how to level up, yo, holla at me, all right? And before we enter this podcast, our guest on the show has a partnership with Spotify for a conference, a game-changing conference, right, for students of color that attend an HBCU sophomore through seniors to have a free, yes, I said a free three-day conference to see what careers are in tech, learn from the learn from the industry leaders, and, and see what diversion and inclusive, inclusivity is all about. And it's partnered with 2020 Shift and Spotify. It's a great, 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 great opportunity. So I'm glad and thankful for Ariel for even um, partnering with Spotify and making that happen. So for more information... You can go to 2020shift.com 
and look for the opening act or you can look at the show notes and yeah so make sure you share with any person that you know that attends at a sort of black college or university that may be interested in tech even if you're not interested in tech it's a three-day free conference they're gonna put you up in a hotel learn from industry leaders probably get some cool swag bags so make sure you apply all right and i gotta get one more thing before i enter this show make sure you leave a review and subscribe we have a quarter million downloads. We only got 173 reviews. Go ahead and leave that five-star review, all right? And if you're new to this podcast or if you are listening to this podcast, this episode right now, I'm so excited because the young lady we have online, man, she's doing some powerful, powerful things in the tech space. Being a a woman of African-American and Latino descent, and she is the bomb. Has partnered with some of the top brands in the country. Only been this thing a couple years, and she just has a heart of gold, um, a lot of wisdom, a lot of sarcasm, a lot of wit, and I'm just glad to have her on the podcast because some would say she ain't supposed to be here. She was a college dropout. She didn't have no like four year degree. She didn't have like a, a sponsored parent. She didn't have um, people advocating for her or an incubator to launch her to the next year. She just grit, hustle, and belief. Grit. Hustle and belief. That's the foundation of this podcast. That's the foundation of my speaking career. That's the foundation of life. Anybody that has a dream right now that's listening to this show right now, hustle, grit, and belief will get you to where you need to go. And I'm excited to bring her on because that's just half the battle. There's so much more strategy involved, so much more intentionality involved, and she's going to bring them jewels to the show. Let's get it started. Episode two of season four, and episode one was phenomenal. Darren Lee, shout out to my LinkedIn fan, my Facebook fan that shared the episode, that have been moved, have been touched. It's been crazy, and I know this episode right here is going to be another banger. I'm, I'm be on fire season four, and I'm excited because this guest that we have on the show, A, she's a fast talker like me, so we're going to get along. Uh <laughs> Uh, two, she is on the verge of launching some phenomenal stuff, and I can't wait for her to get on the show and talk about. Number three, I've had her on my Noted Trailblazer live tour when we was in New York, and man, the gems that she dropped, the people she connected me with, and just her authenticity was just like groundbreaking. I know this is going to be an episode for you, so I'm going to read a snippet of the bio. And then we're going to jump right into it. And I, for my listeners that have been listening to an hour 30, two hour podcast for the last season, we're going to do our best to get this thing out between 45 minutes to an hour. So keep me your praise on this thing. All right. So she is a career coach, entrepreneur, and public speaker with the expertise in digital media and technology. She's the CEO of 2020 Shift, an educational startup that connects people to opportunities in tech through training and events. Currently, 2020 Shift helps companies like Spotify, Uber, Oscar Insurance, Yelp, and more attract and retain, once again, attract and retain diverse talent. The company is also part of the National Tech Hire Initiative, which aims to get over 100,000 people employed in high-paying tech jobs by 2020. And with over six years of recruiting experience, she's worked with top brands and startups to help them with their recruiting efforts. She's helped thousands of marketing, advertising, and tech professionals grow in their careers and find lucrative opportunities. She's spoken at several conferences and events, including Tech Inclusion, Greenhouse Open, Hispanicize, Black Tech Week, Social Media Week, and others. And she's also a member of Forbes Coaches Council, an invite organization developed by Forbes and YEC to provide 
thorough thought leadership opportunities to top business and career coaches around the world. I know that was a mouthful, and she's not even 30 yet, and I'm just excited to have her on the show. So before I introduce, I want to get the show ready, the world ready, the culture ready for Ariel Lopez. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. That was, oh man, such an introduction. I I feel so honored and just happy right now. Can you like come on the road and do that for me? <laughs> I think that's, I think that's what needs, I, I need to incorporate into my, my offerings, into my services and whatnot. But uh, like you said, it was a, it was a mouthful, but it's all real. And I know this is only like a tip of the iceberg. So that's why I'm excited because um, doing our experience in New York and I haven't released that audio in that video yet, but man, just your stories, um, your pinpoint accuracy with your, your, your advice and your strategies and what you do and your honesty, man, it really spoke volumes to me. And I know, I know, I know the audience will get a lot today. So as we kick this thing off, Sister Lopez, please, please, please start us off with a quote. It don't have to be a quote. It could be a quote or it could be just a mantra that you live by and you apply to your everyday life and share us a story that goes along with that. Oh man. Oh God. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> I have so many mantras that I live by to think of one in particular. Um, I think there's a few like um, done is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. Learn that the hard way. Um, it, it's not where you are. It's where you want to be. That mm-hmm. came from mama and that's been <laughs> my mantra for life yeah um hustle it's one word but it means so much to me so if you had yeah so let's 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 jump into that hustle word because i i love the start of this when you say hustle and you think about just think about your last week right give us a story about how that word and like just got into your pores and, and how you operate on that on an everyday basis well yeah i mean i think hustle is just persistence hustle is you know, it's just that, that inner emotions where, you know, I'm not going to give up, like, regardless of what's happening, regardless of self doubt, rejection, people that tell me no, things not going the right way, whatever. It's just, I am so focused on getting to where I want to be and and accomplishing what I want to do, that I'm not going to let anything get in my way. And when you think about hustle or just hustlers in general, right? So if we take it to the streets, like hustlers are problem solvers. Hustlers are people that always get it back, right? These are people that <laughs> they have been like in and out of jail, like ran off on the plug twice, whatever. <laughs> but a true hustler never stays down for long. And I think working in tech, especially as an entrepreneur, you know, the startup grind is, is, is hard. It's, um, it's grueling. It, it takes a lot of energy and, you know, there's a lot of times where I feel really tested and it tests my patience, my faith, um, so many things. And I feel like because of, you know, my hustle and what it means to me, it's the only thing that's been able to take me this far. And, you know, it's helped me to, to persevere. So for me, hustle is, is ultimately, ultimately just that like you have to keep going um regardless of you know what you may tell yourself or what other people may tell you along the way um if we're talking about this week you know before we even um started the podcast i was telling you that we got into um this program so 
Google has an exchange program actually in Durham, which is amazing, um, with American Underground. It's for black founders. Um, and it's really competitive. Last year, we applied and we didn't get in. And I was pissed off. Um, I actually felt personally violated <laughs> because I'm from North Carolina, you yeah. know, and I remember like writing out the application. I was telling my co-founder, I was like, yo, we got this. Like, they would be crazy not to to pick us. Like, how could they not? Because, you know, I'm from there. The business is making moves. Like, it only makes sense. Um, and we didn't get in. And, you know, I was frustrated. Um, so fast forward to 2017, we actually start working with Google. Um, so we've partnered with them on two different things this year. And we have some stuff in the works um, for the rest of the year. And, and you know, going into 2018. And then we did um, our HBCU um, Black Business Expo Tour. And we were in Durham back in April. And we actually had a couple of people from American Underground out on the tour, um, one or two that were actually panelists um, during the event. So fast forward to applications this go round. I'm like, yo, if they don't pick us, and we're <laughs> actually working with Google. And then on top of that, like, we know people at American Underground, like, I had an advisor that, you know, knows one of the partners and, you know, I was just trying to work it from all angles and, you know, we were able to get in and we're one of 10 companies, but they had, I don't even know how many applications. So, you know, it's, you know, just persisting to be able to do that was huge for me, like being able to go from rejection and not letting it stop you because, I remember when the the email came to my inbox, I was like, you know what? We shouldn't even apply for this. <laughs> because if we do apply and we don't get it again, then I'm going to have to come to <laughs> personally and just, you know, yeah. show up on somebody. Um, but, you know, luckily, you know, they were able to see the value in, you know, what we're building. And I'm just really passionate and really excited about some of the stuff that we have um, coming down the pipeline. So all that to say, you know, hustle, yeah. like a year can change so much. And I know it gets really hard for people to think about that. Cause when you're living things and you're struggling and you know, you're going through whatever it's like, you still have that vision, but you, all you see is your reality. So it doesn't really make sense to you at the time. It was just like, well, we got rejected or so whatever, but that hustle, that perseverance is, you know, what's going to take you from win to win. Um, and through your losses as well, you just got to be, you know, comfortable and kind of, you know, milly rock through it. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I love that. And I want to stay right there. And we're going to get to your intro and talk uh, 2020 shift. But there's two things that jumped out to me that I want to address right here and right now within a story. Side note, um, I love the fact that once the first year you got denied, you was like, first of all, like, what in the world? Because I know everybody, when I get denied for something, I look like, who did they select? And I'm going, I'm refreshing the site. I'm like, looking at those 10 companies. I'm looking at their website. I'm like, yo, look at the data. There's no way. But, you know, uh, a lot of these things are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad that you uh you were able to fight through and get that. And it's crazy for me personally because last week uh there was this opportunity one of my boys uh, had pitched to me, like this huge uh opportunity, like to speak in front of like two thousand college kids and introduce like the CEOs and they, they needed an MC, right? 
Yeah. And I was like, shoot, ain't no, ain't no better guy than me. Like, what you mean? I, I have experience with this. And I got on a, uh, I interviewed one of the guys that, uh, that was trying to find the MC for it. I thought I killed it. I mean, it was, well, I, I had all the pictures from my last tour. I had the gigs that I had, had major cosigns. I was like, this is a no brainer. I had the energy rocking, I had the stories for days. Um, I think the only, only thing I messed up on when we had the interview, I don't, I usually dress in suits when I do speeches. I mean, I just like suits, especially when I talk, go to like urban audiences. I like them to see like a, yeah. a black man in a suit, but I was hooded out because I mean, when I'm, when I'm not speaking on the stage, when I'm at home or mm-hmm. in, in the lab mode, I don't, I'm not trying to impress nobody. I don't need to go to a Starbucks with like a blazer. I was on that two years ago. I used to yeah. go to Starbucks with like blazers and looking like <laughs> the meanest guy in Starbucks. We don't make it no money. So I was like, nah, I'm not on that no more. <laughs> yeah, so, nah. I had a hoodie and I just, I just, I just don't think they, they could see it. So, um, but so I didn't get in at first. I was like, eh, but I, I, my mindset has changed so much from a couple years ago when I got the nine. I immediately got like, I felt personally attacked, like what in the world? And yeah. I found out who they got doing. And he actually fit the mode. And it's crazy that that date ended up getting booked for something that kind of fit me a little bit more. Uh, cause the other <laughs> one, it was going to be cool, but I was going to be stretched. But I say that to say, we talked about hustle, and when we first started this uh, this podcast, I mentioned the Ubers, the Spotify's, you know, all these people of the world. And I, I want this podcast to talk about because I think there's different types of hustle. Because yeah. there's a lot of people that's listening to this podcast that they are doing some phenomenal work in the community, are adding value to clients and customers, or they have a great vision and they already have some stuff that they to back them up. However, they haven't really had partnerships or incubators, the things of that nature. That could really take them to the next level, but they would arguably say, "Yo, I, I'm hustling just as hard." I mm-hmm. mean, so how can I? I want you to just kind of get on your your footstool real quick, and <laughs> and then share like how are you able to think strategic and really partner? Because and actually, this can go right into your backstory too. So, ooh, two for one because you know you don't have a typical upbringing. It's not like you have like Ivy League pedigree or some big machine hyping you. Like, yeah, so how, not at all. <laughs> where did you get the, yeah, where did you get the confidence to develop those type of partnerships? And, um, yeah, I guess that's where we start. You know, I love questions like this because it really just forces you to think back. Um, and I think for me, you know, my upbringing, I come from very humble beginnings. My mom worked two jobs my whole life. She actually just stopped working her second job recently. Um, you know, single parent home, poverty level. Like I was definitely a free lunch kid for Mm -hmm. super long. Mm -hmm. I didn't get my first car until I was in college and I actually paid for it cash myself. Um, um, Yeah. Like, you know, there was a lot of times to where I, you know, I definitely felt like, man, it would be great if I came from a home that had two parents. It would be great if, you know, my mom had extra money to spend on this or whatever. And I think that just always drove me to go a little bit harder. Um, So, you know, when it comes down to my ambition and my drive, you know, it comes from knowing what it's like to not have and not wanting to ever be in that position again. Mm -hmm. And I promised myself at a young age, I was like, all right, I see like this is how it is right now, but it's not always going to be like this. And I really think I have what it takes to just make a lot of money doing whatever I want to do. Um, you know, obviously put my mom in a better position, take care of my family and, you know, take care of my community. I've always been purpose driven. 
Um, if I think back to, you know, my first business idea, I was in high school and I wanted to open up a teen center mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I have family in New York and we had always kind of been back and forth to New York and, you know, in New York, there's, you know, just a lot of things to do. And where I was at in Greenville, North Carolina, <laughs> wasn't a ton to do. And I was like, what if we opened up like a teen center and it would be a way to get high school students jobs? And I had like this whole business plan. I was rocking with it. Um, but I was also like always very outgoing. Anytime I could be president of like SGA, I was. Um, there was like a city council that they made. Um, that um, like a teen council that they made coming from the city council when I was in high school, I ran that. Um, when I got to college, I was freshman class president. Like I was always used to kind of being in a position of leadership, mm-hmm. but whatever I did, it was always purpose driven with an idea of how am I using my influence for good, mm-hmm. right? Like I always kind of secretly despised, um, you know, people that were able to attain wealth, but never thought about how that trickles back down. Mm-hmm. Like it's cool to like get the house and, you know, the car and, you know, buy ball main pants and, you know, do whatever it yeah. is that you want to do. But it's just like, what about everyone else? And I think I always took that with me um, when it came up to coming up with ideas for for business or whatever and really just letting that, you know, drive me. Um, because I feel like that makes me more confident, right? Because I'm not just doing this for myself. You know, there's a certain kind of pressure that's applied when you have people relying on you, mm-hmm. you know, for the first five, six years of my life in New York, it was, you know, I've been kind of hustling solo. Um, but as of last year, you know, we're building out a team. I got to make sure people get paid, Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like people got bills, people got to eat. And, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I think about that. It's not just what does Ariel want to do today? It's like, all right, how do I make sure everybody around me is good? And then once the team is straight, how do I make sure we're bringing up other people into that? Yeah. Um, so that's just kind of like part of my psyche. And I think it's really important because people have different motivations and different drivers. And, you know, some people are, are, are just in it for the money. And that's great. Tech is definitely the right industry to be in if, if you want to do that. Um, but I think for me, it's, it's never been about the money. It's always been about the purpose behind it. Um, and I think when those things align. It's just, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but in terms of like partnerships and stuff, I mean, honestly, I just hustle my ass off. Like there's no really, there's really no other way to put it. Um, because when I came to New York, like you said, you know, I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I went to East Carolina University. Shout out to my pirates <laughs> for life. Um, but I dropped out of ECU, like the end of my junior year, moved to New York on a whim. And I was just like, all right, I'm gonna hustle and figure it out. I just so happened to, you know, fall into recruiting and I was good at it um, because part of recruiting is just basically sales. So I always knew that I, I can talk to people. I know how to talk to people. And I think I give good advice. <laughs> and from recruiting, that turned into career coaching. And, you know, I was just looking at all scopes of it from like, how do companies hire? Um, how do they find the right people? And then also, for job seekers and, you know, my friends, what are their challenges? Like, how do you help someone get from point A to point B in their career? And that's been my life, right? So a meshing of those two worlds 
makes it to where I can step into a Google or an Oscar or a Spotify or whatever and say, hey, I know what the fuck I'm talking about because I'm doing it. It's not like I (laughs) just stumbled upon this thing and was like, okay, this seems like a neat thing to do. Like I've spent my entire career thinking about these things and talking to people and trying to help people. So I feel like master your craft, right? Like the only way you get confident is when you know what you're doing. Um, And I think the important thing to note there is you can't get frustrated when you're not, you know, where you want to be in six months or a year. Like things take time. Like we just talked about something I was rejected for a year ago that now it's the time for us. Like you don't really know what God has planned for you. And I think there's a certain level of like, you have to detach from that time, that personal timeline of goals. Mm -hmm. Um, Not meaning you don't go after what you want because you do and you still go hard for it. Um, But more so just being open and and being accepting to the process. You have to accept the process um, and know that things will come in time when, when it's right for you. Mm, I love that. I love that. And on, on that note, can you talk us through your first, the, first of all, your, your feeling when you got your that, that email or it was a call with your first major partnership? And if you can give, um, not, we don't need like, okay, you email this person. What were some tangible <laughs> things that everybody should do or that they should, yeah, they should be aware of while pitching and then actually structuring a partnership? Because we could say, hey, Ariel, I'm going to partner with 2020 Shift today. But I, I, a lot of people really don't know even how to partner. So first, take us back to that joyous moment when you got that first call. Like, yo, we'll be delighted to partner and boom. And then go for going forward after that, because, you know, I like a couple questions. Uh, the whole mm-hmm. what, what is your if you had to give your three nuggets to partnerships, what would they be? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, so. Man, I mean, I feel like I've had different moments of like the wow. Give me, a, so give me your best one. Give me the one you think the audience would get the most from. I think the the best one. Oh God, I know that's hard though. <laughs> it is kind of hard because there's there's different situations. Um, you know, I'll use the one when I was still working a full time job because I have so many people that come up to me and they're like, "I'm thinking of taking the leap, but how do I know when is the right time?" Yep. Or how do I, you know, finesse my my side hustle and turn it into my full time, whatever, whatever. Um, so um, one of the events that we do right now um, is called Office Hack and it's a tech crawl. We've been doing it for the last two years. This is our third year and we're actually taking it on the road um, to the Bay at the end of, of September, about end of October. Um, but our first time doing it, I think the sponsorships, I think it was like maybe $500. Like it was pennies. Like it was so cheap. Oh, honey, you can't even get the cups for that. Also, I know. But at the time, I was still working. I was working full time at General Assembly. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were just kind of experimenting and figuring out like what worked for us. And I came up with the idea of like, what if we did like a massive kind of like tech crawl of sorts because I've been to different bar crawls and they're always fun. Um, So I was like, what if we just exchange the bars with tech companies and have people go inside offices and visit and, and, you know, meet people. And the first year that we did it, I think we made probably was no more than maybe Mm $5,000. Last year we made probably around 50 grand. Mm -hmm. 
So that's two years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like I need people to understand like how things happen in a short period of time, right? Like if you're able to just grow things, um, you know, year over year, month over month, whatever, like as you get more comfortable with your craft and as you start to produce more and more, you know, naturally that, that price tag is going to increase, mm-hmm. right? So something that didn't make a lot of money at first is now something that will probably make us six figures next year. And this is just an event. And this that's not even the core part of our business model, right? Like this is just something that was cool for us to do. Um, but I think the big part of that is it was my first time realizing like, okay, people will pay, yeah, right? Ooh. It didn't matter how much, I just needed that validation. So as soon as I got that, I was like, okay, cool. And I think it's what I needed to take myself more seriously because, you know, GA, um, pros and cons, but it was stable, right? Like it was my first time living in New York, what, 25, 24, 25, making close to six figures as a college dropout. Mm-hmm. Like most people would not s- step away from that situation. Yeah, they're like, yo, that's a lot. There's a lot hanging on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, we we made it. To, we got the bag. Like, let's just chill for a second. But you know, I always saw it, it wasn't about that comfort. Granted, like I had that stability, but you know, I got the validation that I needed. That hey, companies will actually pay us to do this kind of stuff. Like, let me spend more time figuring out what we're going to do with the business. And, you know, from that, it led me to leaving GA within the next six months. And, you know, we've been, I've been doing it. I've been doing 2020 full time now for what, over a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, So things move and escalate very, very quickly. Um, But, you know, just early validation definitely helps. Um, but you know, I I think in terms of like partners and I guess my three gems to closing people and, and making it make sense. Um, um, the first thing is just ask questions. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people just have good ideas in their head and they're like, I love this. So someone else is going to love it too. But that's not necessarily true. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, like I can pitch you on. I don't know. I could pitch you, let's say like I'm trying to sell you some Yeezys for like a thousand dollars, like seem like a pretty fashionable guy. I'd be like, you know what? He's definitely going to buy these. Meanwhile, you may have just bought a pair of Yeezys yesterday or your cousin may have gifted it to you for your birthday. Yeah, I've never like I might look like it, but I've never bought any drawer. I've never spent over a hundred dollars on any sneaker. And, and or you may not even like easy, yeah. right? But uh-huh. like, look at those three scenarios yeah. right there that show me you're not the right person for what I'm trying to sell. Mm. If more people took time really investigating and asking good questions to figure out, hey, is what I'm providing actually valuable to you? Then I think there would be better partnerships. Um, you know, most of the time people just kind of have a, a pitch and they overpromise and then they underdeliver, but they were never really clear on expectations in the first place, i.e. what's in it for me, but also what's in it for you. Like if you don't, if you're not clear on the what's in it for you or what's in it for them, for your client or your partner or whoever, like it's just not going to, to end up 
well for you. Um, so I think that's something to, to definitely take note of. Um, I would say make it easy for people to digest the information you're trying to give to them. Um, so definitely have some kind of deck. Um, at this point, I have more decks than I would like. But <laughs> because there's different decks for different things. Yeah, got to have them different angles, just like boxing. You can't just do a jab. You got a left jab, right jab, tech company, sports company. Uh, if, you talk, <laughs> if your point of contact is a male, your point of contact is a female. If she's African-American, if she's not, but it's like there's so many different variations you could probably probably make, right? Yeah, definitely. There's There's a ton. Um, but I think at the bare minimum, you just need to have kind of like your tried and true basic partnership deck. So that says who you are, what you are, how you solve a problem or why people should use you. Um, definitely some, um, I want to hear like some success stories or a testimonial. Those go a really long way. Um, you know, a lot of our partners know each other. Or, you know, it feels better to say, yes, I'm going to do this thing because so-and-so is doing this thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we've been able to work with so many dope companies because we already have other dope companies there. It's not like mm -hmm. we work with no one and you're going to be the first. You know what I mean? Um, and granted, it, it takes time to get there, right? It's not like we've always had all of these clients. Um, but I would say even in the beginning, you know, you have to find a way to strategically leverage everything that you've been working on up to that point via partners, via your services or whatever to kind of paint that picture and paint that story like, hey, you can trust me to do this for you because I've done it before. I've done it for other people. And, you know, this is their feedback. Um, so I would say that's the second thing. And then the third thing is just ask for the money. Oh my God. <laughs> so much time and, you know, get frustrated with themselves because they never asked or they never found an opportune time in the call to say, Hey, so what's your budget for this? Um, what I will say is there are certain things that make sense that you should do that won't have monetary compensation. Right. So to this day, like I do events, I speak at stuff to where I don't get paid to speak, but it's because I really value the audience that's going to be there, or I'm going to get access to um, the list of all of the emails, which turns into money for me over time anyway, right? Like you have to think about ROI for you and what makes sense for you. Um, obviously money is always great, but there are going to be certain situations where it's like, you know what? we should partner on this and we should do this because it makes sense for the brand and makes sense for where we're trying to go. Um, but for people that are just uncomfortable, you know, asking for it, you just have to ask for it. I think one of the best pieces of advice <laughs> I've heard in the last three months was imagine yourself as a privileged white guy. <laughs> how, how would you move differently? And I literally sat there for a second. I was like, you know what? <laughs> wow. So much differently, right? Because I'd be like Conor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be wow. just everywhere. Like, what? You ain't going to give me 100000 for this conference right here. Are you serious? Like, yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. I love that. That's a quotable right there. No, it definitely is. But it's just like, that's how you need to move because they aren't caught up with their hangups. 
right? They aren't thinking about what can go wrong. They aren't thinking about like, oh, why would they even talk to me or I'm not good enough or, you know, all the doubt and, you know, uncertainty. And, you know, it's hard because, you know, as a black person in our world, we're used to getting the short end of the stick. Like something is always going wrong. Like it's either discrimination or, (laughs) you know, like you, but you have to let that go. Right. Because whether you you realize it or not, it does translate into, you know, your approach and how people perceive you. Um, And there was a time to where I was really uncomfortable asking for it because it's just like, what if they say no? What if they feel like I'm asking for too much? Like all of the stuff that you tell yourself in your head, like white men don't do that. They say, here's the software. It's $15,000 for the installation. Do you have any questions? And that's it. And if they say no, well, so much for them moving on to the next one, right? Like you have to have that same kind of like black and white approach because it's only going to help you um, get to where you need to be. Um, And the only last thing that I will say is not all good partnerships are good Um, and be very careful of brands and you know, just things that you align yourself with and, you know, really spend time thinking about, okay, is this something that, you know, makes sense for me? Um, d- does this person really value and appreciate what I'm bringing to the table? Um, you know, like not all bags are good bags, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't want to take money from everybody. You don't want to partner with everybody. Um, and some of those things like you learn through experience, but I think if you're always kind of being strategic and always kind of mentally plotting about how things are are shaping up, then you should be fine. Mm, I love that. And before we jump into 2020 shift and then talk about the future, um, I got one last question um, in this in this segment. And I want to talk about it's been on my mind um, being and it was on my mind when we actually were were at the conference, uh, not the conference, but at the uh, the live podcast. It Mm -hmm. was. You know, you you know what goes on in tech. Uh, a lot of times, specifically with women, not even women of color, women in general, and tech yeah. and the culture. Um, how do you personally uh, be, deal with? And I think you were starting to get there, but I, I want you to just, if you can, just be as candid as possible. How you deal with um, working with some of these companies that have crazy uh, issues and that and they're like just uh, it's the culture. And then having the confidence, because uh, you've been in, even though it's been only been a couple of years with um, 2020 shift, but you've been around that space for a little while. I would yeah. just say for those, because I know there's women that are listening to this podcast that are in tech or want to be in tech. And they're like, man, like this, the industry is, it's just weird. So not only are you in it, but you move in a whole different way. So what do you think mentally and, and, and culturally you've done over the years to kind of be strong in that area? Yeah. I mean, I think just being aware and and knowing what's going on. Um, I will say for me, like I come, so I, I have five brothers. I'm the only girl. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I've always kind of been dominant. So, you know, whether we're talking about like student government circa high school to, you know, being on a panel and I'm the only woman, like, I've always kind of been one of the only. So either the only woman, the only black person, the only 
female black person, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like rarely am I surrounded with people that look like me. Um, So I think that has helped me though, right? Um, If anything is made me more comfortable in those situations. Um, The one thing I will say is that I never conform. I think there's one thing to kind of adapt to situations, which means, you know, you're good in every hood spot, but conforming means, okay, let me change myself to accommodate people. And that's something I've never done and I never will do. Um, And I think that has been, you know, one of the things that's made me stronger um, and has helped me be, be able to, you know, get through tough situations, um, especially in tech. Um, so I have, you know, I think everyone's different, but I have a really thick skin. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I'm, I'm used to being kind of like male dominated spaces. So working in tech wasn't like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm the only woman here. And there's a room full of white men. It's just like, OK, water is wet. Right. So, <laughs> At this point, you know, I I know I probably sound a little bit jaded, um, but that's just kind of how it is. You know, I just accept it for what it is. Um, But I also use that to my advantage. Right. Like being one of the only is the best thing that you could ever hope for because you're not not everyone else. Right. So I can step in a room full of white men and I'm going to shine regardless just because of who I am physically. But then once I actually open my mouth and they're like, oh, wow, and she has a lot of personality and she's really cool and she's really funny, right? Like you kind of put that story together of like who you are, um, you know, that's that's taken me so far. I think, you know, a lot of the positions that I've had just throughout my career before, you know, having my business, a lot of the jobs that I worked, I wasn't necessarily qualified for, mm-hmm. but I just had moxie, <laughs> right? Like yep, I kind of yep. had that grit and, you know, that personality that, you know, even if I didn't know what I was doing, I was convincing. People believe that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and <laughs> I hope none of my partners are listening. To yeah. <laughs> I hope she really do know what she's doing. Like, <laughs> I do, guys. I promise. Um, but, you know, in the early days, you know, I didn't have any stamps of approval, right? I didn't have the Stanford degree. I didn't, you know, I'm not Greek. Like, I wasn't in any, like, major organizations. Like, I came to New York. I have no network at all, no friends, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everything has just been built from there. But I think it's just, you know, putting myself in a position to where, I really used my disadvantages as an advantage. Um, yeah. And I think that as a woman, you know, that's really what you, you're going to have to do if you want to survive in the industry. Um, and I think also just, you know, separating different things. Like there was a time to where I felt like I took everything personally. Granted, there are some things that shouldn't be said. And yeah. <laughs> There is such a thing as like sexual harassment, right? Like wrong is wrong, right? But I think in certain situations, we can be a little sensitive or we can read into things a little too much. Um, So I try my best not to do that. Um, And then I'm also, you know, just very forthcoming with boundaries, right? So I remember I joked at the live event, like don't do meetings with 
a guy one-on-one after like five or six, but that's real, mm-hmm. right? And that comes from experience because yeah. it's just like, hold on, we're not talking about this before. <laughs> like, what is this, right? Yeah, he, and my man ordered a couple of drinks, conversation on shift, and he's like, hold up, what? It's, it's kind of like that uh, the SpongeBob meme where you're just like, what in the world? This is not what I signed up for. Like, Yeah, well, I mean, it, it can happen, right? So I think you just have to be mindful of that, and, you know, set your boundaries and, you know, like I said before, just take whatever you feel is a disadvantage or something that may be holding you back and figure out a way to make it work for you. Yep. I love that. I love that. And, uh, so as we shift to, uh, shift 2020, 2020 shift, don't, don't fight me. Don't add me. Don't add me. Don't add me. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, um, so I know you briefly talked, uh, talked about kind of what you've talked about the company, but if you could share with our listeners for lens that may not be aware of kind of what y'all do and, 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 and all its totality, because you're doing a lot of stuff, because y'all do a lot of events and whatnot, but you're still a core company. So if you could just share with our, share with our listeners, how you got started in it and what exactly impact are you making in the tech space? Yeah, definitely. So in short, we train people on the skills that they need to find careers that they love in digital media and tech. Um, The way that we do that is primarily through um, education. Um, So it's really important for us to make sure that people have a thorough understanding of what these opportunities are and then what what it takes to actually be successful, right? Because there's one thing, and we actually do have um, a newsletter that we send out every week. Highly suggest that you sign up for it. Um, it's bit.ly um, slash 2020 news with an underscore. Um, you can also just sign up for our newsletter via our, our, our website. Um, but, you know, it's one thing for me to say, like, here's 10 marketing roles. Apply for them. Cool. But if you don't understand like the basics of SEO and SEM and mm-hmm. <laughs> or, like how to put an RFP together, like basic marketing stuff, like you're probably not going to get that far. Um, and I think, you know, what we realize is like there's, you know, there's a ton of job boards and, you know, platforms and, and different things that are kind of themed like let's help you get to the next level in your career but people are missing what the secret sauce is and you're not going to find out the secret sauce because companies aren't going to tell you, right? Like most job (laughs) descriptions are very ambiguous. Yeah. If you want this job, you should do X, (laughs) Y, and Z. (laughs) Like, no, they just expect you to know, but it's just like, if you're not learning it in college and you're not learning it on your own, who's going to teach you? And that's where, you know, we kind of got the idea for, for 2020. It was like, all right, someone actually needs to like help people understand the tactical, the tactical and tangible things that they need to do in order to get these types of positions. And then we also have an affinity for hybrid skills. So these are things that require little to no code because the misconception is that you have to be an engineer to work in tech and, It's awful. I talk to people all the time that, you know, just don't see a space for themselves in the space because they feel like they don't know how to code or they don't have a computer science degree. So I guess I need to go, you know, work in finance. And it's just like, you don't have to do that. There's so many things you can do in tech 
you can do whatever the hell you want to do. And, you know, it's easy for me to say because we talk to all of these companies and we know what they're hiring for. But again, they're not on the front lines communicating that to everyone. Um, so it was really important for us to kind of be the matchmaker there um, for professionals to, you know, these leading startups and brands. So on the company side, like you mentioned before, um, you know, we work with everyone from, you know, Snapchat to Yelp um, and basically help them recruit and and find the right people. Um, so companies have partnered with us to do courses. Um, so we had one earlier on in the year with Uber that was a product design course, um, which was great. So, um, you know, people were able to learn the skill, but then with Uber spin on it, right? So it's not like, let me just learn this thing, but like, let me learn this thing. Let me learn it how Uber would need it. Let me build this thing for Uber. And now I have something I can use in my portfolio so I can either work for Uber or I can go work for another tech company. Mm. Um, and, you know, just thinking of some of the students that have taken our classes that are doing, you know, so well now. People that have come to our events that have gotten hired. Like I was looking at a deck yesterday. Um, there's a, a, a woman by the name of Deitriana Meeks. And she went to the Office Hack event that we did in the fall. Um, and she's fabulous. She's a UX designer. And, you know, I didn't even, it didn't even hit me until um, I found out earlier on in the year that Spotify actually hired her as a senior designer. Wow. And her picture is in one of our decks. Like I was looking through one of the decks yesterday and I was like, damn, I didn't even realize there's Daytriana right there. And, you know, there's so many examples of her, of people that have once they got plugged, like that was all they needed because they already had the goods, right? Or they had just enough and then they were able to learn a little bit more and that put them in the perfect position to kind of get where they they wanted to go. Um, so that's kind of how we operate um, as a business. And then, you know, as you mentioned, also we do have um, different events that we do. So um, we did the, the HBCU tour early in the spring um, we're doing the tech crawl again um, in the Bay. Um, we're doing a conference in partnership with Spotify just for HBCU students. Um, that's going to be in November. Um, it's completely free. Spotify is paying for everyone's travel and accommodations, which is just ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> so huge. Um, and yeah, like we're working with Snapchat to do, um, they want to do like private, uh, mixers because we're helping them hire salespeople and, and creatives. Um, so it's just interesting, right? Like just really getting a behind the scenes look to these companies and figuring out, okay, what is it that you want really, right? And and how do we make sure that we're getting you the right people? And how do we make sure that these people are getting hired? Yeah. Like I'm not going to call out names, but there's a lot of companies to where it's just like, okay, but are people finding jobs though? Mm. Right, so it's just like, <laughs> mm. and then they get, and then when they do, are they getting retained? Yeah, that's yeah. another. It's like, do they stay, or is it just? So, know? what's the secret sauce of that? Like, two questions, um, and you don't got to divulge too much because I don't want people to copy it. But what's the secret okay, sauce okay. of like <laughs> of y'all actually? preparing like what's the fundamentals of not only getting the job you want because it's, it's like everybody knows you can get the job you want but can you keep it um secret sauce 
Um, like what makes y'all so different than all the other outside of like what you said as far as with the data? But if you had to say, okay, somebody asked you in their room, all right, cool. We th- we're thinking about working with you, but why, why, why should we work with you rather than go to this other company that's similar work and you looking them right in their eyes right now? What are you going to say? Oh man. I, I mean, cause we, we know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like my team or it's just great. Like, Myself, I come from the recruiting side. So it's really easy to sit down with another recruiter because I've done their job, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So I can speak to their life. Like I know their pain. I know their challenges because I've done it. Um, My co-founder has been in tech for seven years um, doing multimedia journalism. She was the former tech editor at Black Enterprise. Um, She actually oversaw all the content um, for New Me Accelerator, which is one of the first accelerators um, for black and brown founders, right? So it's just like we've been doing the work, right? It's not like we just showed up and was like, oh, diversity in tech is a hot <laughs> topic. So let's get on it. Like we've been the diversity in tech for years, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's that, but then we also understand our demo, right? Everyone that, is in our demo 18 to 34, primarily 25 to 34. Um, I'm coming up on my 27th birthday, God willing. Um, end of September, um, my co-founder is coming up on 29. Like we are, are our demo. Like the people that we're trying to look out for are our friends. Like we have so many friends that, you know, we are blessed and are already in the are already in the industry, but then, you know, we have a lot of friends that aren't. Um, friends that are still working jobs, they don't really want to work, friends that are confused as to what to do next, Con- friends that have $90,000 in student loan debt, Oof. right? Like friends that move back with their parents because they can't afford to pay rent on their own. Like that's who we fight for. Ooh, like, that's yep. Ooh, that's that's for. how you get them right there. I love that. Bring it <laughs> home. Bring because it's real out. Like it's real out here. Like let's take our political hats off. There's a lot of people that's listening to this podcast. Got a well over a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. Um, oh. and it's like, dang, like what? And they jobless, or they got a job, and it's like you make it sixty, but dang, like it's fifteen hundred goes to student loans right there. So. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's huge. So as we begin to kind of um, get close to the end, as we begin to land this plane, I got my future round, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask a question on because I, I got a chance to meet your co-founder as well as talk to a couple of your partners there at um, the live event. So how have you been able to get such a uh, a strong core group? This last year didn't allow you to, to, to guide your events from, like you said, three three racks to, to 50 to hopefully, well, six figures this year and to, to grow this company and partner with some of these people because I know you need a strong team, but it's not like you have a lot of them. So uh, for the core people that work with you, because there's a lot of people out here that we've had success in our businesses. We have success individually, but we know we are not going to take it to the next level until we really bring some people on. So how are you able to... Um, make those relationships happen and, and know that they were the right people for it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Janelle and I, we actually knew each other um, via Twitter before we finally met <laughs> at a hackathon. And then when I came up with the idea, she was one of the first people I reached out to because I thought she would be good for it. And, you know, Janelle is like my sister now. Like I can't, we spend every day together 
Monday, Monday through Friday, at least. And <laughs> a lot of the weekends were together too. Like, you know, we're so tight and, you know, I, it's just a blessing because rarely are you able to find black female founders that are able to work well together. Um, it's a huge pain point, and I, I wish more women um, could realize like there's a power in, in a collective. Like you don't have to do everything alone. If you and your homegirl got similar ideas, like get together and do it together. Like <laughs> you will go much further than you would solo. Um, and I think as a startup founder, you need a co-founder. I will not lie to you unless you have like a team of 15 people ready to rock and roll from day one. It's, it's hard. So I've, I know a few solo founders and I think most of them are kind of operating as, you know, more of a consultant or they have like a smaller brand. Um, but you know, we're trying to build a multi-million dollar company like that. It's hard. You start fundraising, dealing with the rejections, dealing with the craziness, dealing with, you know, how do we make this happen in two weeks? How do we make sure rent gets paid? Like you need someone that's going to have your back. Um, so for me, you know, when it came to, you know, having her um, on the team, like we were just so aligned. Um, and I think, you know, she really balances me out. Like I have a lot of crazy in me. Um, <laughs> is just very even keel and, and peaceful and, you know, there's something that's just so settling about her spirit. Um, and I'm a big vibe. I'm a big vibe person, a big energy person. And, you know, with her, it was just like, I, I trusted her from the minute we met. And, you know, we've been rocking together since day one. So that's my ace. Um, as far as like our interns, we try to find ones that are really passionate and excited um, about what we're doing and, you know, see the value in it. Um, we have a freelance team right now that is freaking amazing and I'm raising money for them. Um, but you know, they've all are, are all diverse. Like, um, the guy that's coming on as our CTO is black. Um, our product manager is Indian. Our UX designer is Asian. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have another developer that's a black woman. Like, you know, it's one thing to talk about diversity, but like our team is diverse as hell. Um, and they ha all have been working in the field for that long. Um, so, you know, either teaching before, um, have taken other classes. Um, so understand like the boot camp side of the world, you know, from a general assembly galvanize, you know, startup Institute, whatever, like what does education look like? That was really important for us. Um, but most importantly, everyone on the team is also a part of that core demo. So if we're talking about a diverse millennial age 25 to 34, how do we make sure that their needs are met? And how do we make sure that we're developing products and services that are going to serve these people? Um, and I really try to find people that genuinely care about that kind of stuff because, you know, it's like startup life is crazy and it's not always fun. And there's a lot of, low moments. And in those moments, the passion that you have for the product is the only thing that carries you through. Mm. Right. And I have to make sure that I find people that are just like, I don't care if we don't make money for the next six months, I'm going to do this anyway, mm. because my heart is in it.
And I truly believe everyone around me is like that. So it's a good feeling. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a that's a great feeling. That's a great feeling right there. And I know throughout this whole podcast, you've been speaking to the core. Somebody is listening that is is on the verge of starting this new business or they're starting it and they're ramping up. So um, I thank you for all that. So before we enter my my last round, culture change round, um, I do want to have one question. What's next for? Uh, 2020 shift and 2017 and beyond like what's the number one objective for the four, for fourth quarter and then uh what can you disclose to us that we should be looking for in the next couple of years year yeah i would say like the biggest thing for us right now is this platform that we're we've been developing for like the past six months um we've been really stealth about it so i won't give all yeah. the <laughs> um but essentially, it's just going to automate a lot of the work that we're doing and make it easier for people everywhere to get access to, um, you know, the, the skills that we're teaching, access to employers, um, the companies that are in our network, um, and also access to coaching um, from industry professionals that look like them. And I think that's something that's been missing for our community for a while. So um, that's our main focus. The, the uh, MVP of that will be ready late fall. Um, so we're really excited to announce it. Um, like I mentioned before, we do have a few events in the fall. Um, so if you're around, look out for them. Um, in New York, um, we will have a mixer with Snapchat on October 19th. Um, and then we also have the, um, Spotify conference that is just for HBCU students. The deadline is next week. So if you're an HBCU student and you're listening, you need to get on that ASAP. Um, you can just go to our website, 2020shift.com. And in the, the navigation bar, there will be a link that says the opening act. Just click there and follow the instructions. Um, so that's November 2nd through the 4th. Um, end of October, um, October 27th is the tech crawl in San Francisco. Um, and then the other mixer with Snapchat is in November in LA. Um, so I'm still waiting on the exact date, but I believe it's going to be November 7th. So there's definitely stuff happening in different places, depending on where you are. Um, and then we will be doing, um, the HBCU black business expo tour again, um, in the spring of next year. Um, so I'll definitely make sure to, to follow up with you because I, you know, I want you in on the tour anyway. Um, but you will definitely have the date so you can share it out with folks. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot going on, but I think the most exciting thing is really just thinking about how we use technology creatively, um, to, you know, maximize our impact and, um, just reach as many people as we possibly can. Love it, bow tied on the knot. So, <laughs> so as we as we close, as we close, I got five rapid fire questions, and then okay. our last coach change question. So, um, you ready? Yep. Cool. What is the best piece of advice that you have never received? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the best piece of advice advice that I have never received. Hmm. So I'm guessing something I've had to learn over time. Um, I think really just how much your thoughts shape your reality. 
Um, although, I mean, it is advice that I've received in, in different variations. Um, it's something I never realized until later on in my life how important it really is. And I spend a lot of time um, kind of manifesting and and speaking things into existence. I have a vision board that I make at the top of every year. I've been doing it for like the last four or five years. And to see things come to life, yo, it's, it's crazy. Um, I spend time every day meditating, writing in my journal, you know, really putting pen to paper on things that I want to see in my life. And, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to go back and, and see how things have come into fruition. So I think, you know, your thoughts shape everything that that's happening around you mm. um, was never said to me explicitly, but it's one thing that I know to be be very true um, to this day. I love that. If you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? If I could have add one habit, waking up early. So I, I'm not a consistent <laughs> early riser. I have days to where I am and I'm like, I'm up and at them at the gym. And, you know, I got my, my breakfast and I'm sending emails and it's nine o'clock and I'm, I'm cooling. But then, you know, there's other days and I think it's typical of startup life to where we have long days, like our sprint nights, they run into like eight, nine o'clock. So it's just like, do I really want to be in the office from 8 a.m. until 9 p.m.? And, and that's kind of why I quit my job anyway. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't have to be anywhere. I didn't feel like being. Um, but I think if we're talking about habits of, you know, successful people, um, millionaires, billionaires, everyone that I know for the most part wakes up before 6am. Um, so that's a, a conscious thing that I'm actively trying to work on. Um, so check in with me next year to see if I incorporated <laughs> that good habit. Next year, let's go next month. All right, next month. <laughs> you about to be on the road. So uh, actually a road, different time zones. That's not the best time to start <laughs> that. Do you, it's you, not really the best time. We're going to get them together before 2018. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's, yeah. let's <laughs> that. And then bad habit. Man, like saying stupid things. So I actually started this challenge like a month ago, and then I know I haven't been keeping up with it, so I need to start it again. Um, the best book I've read in the past month is How to Be a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Literally, like, I wish I can send everyone $15 <laughs> as a gift so they can buy that book. It's so good. And it, it just changed my perspective on a lot of things. But um, essentially, like she goes on to say, obviously, thoughts shape reality. So there are certain things that we say that we don't even realize because it's our subconscious saying these things. But that's why we continue to live in a life of like suckery, right? So things like I can't, things like I hope, things like I want, right? Because as soon as you say you want something, you're basically saying I don't have it. Things like I need, which means you're lacking of it, right? Things like I'm broke. And we all have friends that are like, yo, I'm broke. I can't do this. Yo, I'm broke. Or this is too expensive. Stop saying shit like that because it's always going to be like that as long as you do stuff like that. You say I'm broke. I ain't got it. Chances are two weeks from now, you broke and you ain't got it. If you say, oh, you know, I really like that 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 shirt, but it's too expensive. That's telling the universe, okay, this is out of my league. Like if I see a Chanel bag I really want 
I know it's $5,000 and I'm bootstrapping right now because so I'm not going to buy it. But as soon as these millions come in, who ain't? I'm getting <laughs> all the bags I want, right? So instead of saying, you know, I don't have it, I say I'm looking forward to when I do, right? Like you have to be very, very conscious. Like I don't say like I want something. I say I desire it or I'm excited, right? Like little things like that are saying to the universe, like, hey, go on ahead and start to shape things up for me because I'm putting myself in a position to where I deserve all the stuff that I'm saying I need and I want, Mm. right? Without actually saying I want, or, you know, when you say I can't, you just stop yourself from doing it. I hope means you're still worried that it's not going to happen. Like you can't, I, I forget the exact same, but it's so true. It's like, you can't have faith and then be doubtful at the same time. Mm. Like the two don't go together, right? Right. So you either really, really believe what you believe or you don't, right? Um, so I think, you know, just breaking that habit of saying things that don't serve you. And I would really suggest that every listener do that for a week and see how much better your life is and just how you feel, right? Because as soon as you say I'm broke, you start thinking about why you're broke and how you always going to be broke. And I'm from someone that used to be very, very broke, right? But like that doesn't serve you and that's not going to make you happy, right? Like you have to consciously focus on, you know, self-happiness, self-care, putting your having thoughts that are going to create the life that you want to live. Mm, I love that because uh, every word does matter. I got to catch myself sometimes. I'm like, yo, I can't. What, how's your day going, man? I can't call it. What do you mean? I can call it. Like, it's, like what does that mean? Or like, what is what? what are, like all these colloquial phrases that we take. I know. <laughs> but uh, you already, you just, you actually answered the, the, the next question in that question. So the what is your favorite book? And I'm gonna make sure I have all these information and all these links in the show notes. So though everybody, when you're listening, make sure you check out the website. Is everything's gonna be in the show notes? Uh, last two questions before we go to our last. Last one is, what is your biggest fear? Um. So I'm learning not to have fear. So I'm reluctant to answer that question. But I think like just generally speaking, I really don't like like thunderstorms <laughs> or any kind of, um, as I'm saying this, like shout out to Houston, prayers up for Houston. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up in North Carolina, I've been through most hurricanes. Um, so any kind of like natural disaster, stuff like that to where we really can't control it at all. Those are the things that freak me out and scare me. Mm, yeah, nah. And uh, last question in this round is, if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? <sighs> Damn. <laughs> Thinking of where we sit right now. Yikes. <laughs> I can't think of the first thing I would do. The first thing I would do is thank God that Trump isn't in office anymore. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Um, but hey, don't I mean, get I me think, kicked off the air, man. Yeah, I won't. I won't. I won't. <laughs> they can. They can track me down for saying it. It's fine. I I stand by my. It's opinion. been tracked. <laughs> this conversation is being recorded. <laughs> um, no, I think the first thing that I would do, honestly, is just figure out something with. I, I mean, it's hard because 
health insurance is really important. And I feel like that's going nowhere fast right now. Um, but education, and I think that has everything to do with what we're doing. Like if there was a way I could just give relieve everyone of their student loan debt. I think I would do that. I think it would definitely create an uptick in the economy, which would help other things. He would be balling out of control, man. <laughs> what? 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 A coach bad? What? <laughs> what? It'd be insanity. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I feel like, you know, bringing that kind of financial freedom to people, like, that's just amazing. If I were was ever in a position to do that, I would love to do that. I love that. And so that wraps up the uh, the last, last round. And, you know, um, I call myself the culture change agent. And every single person that I bring on the show is a culture change agent in their own right. And I always try to to, to leave, um, I wouldn't say on a high note, but on a necessary note, on a thoughtful note, on a heartfelt note. And if you can change one thing about society, most specifically um, our, our African-American culture, uh, what would it be and why? <sighs> The need, the, the misconception that there can only be one or there's not enough to go around. So, i.e., the crabs in the barrel mentality. And granted, I think it's something that, well, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, we talk about this, the yeah. systematic, yeah, <laughs> systematic <we> gotta... <laughs> destruction of the black community um, and kind of like putting us against each other, right? Because you think about, when we were segregated and we were all we had and how powerful the black community was during that time and how powerful black businesses were during that time. You think of like Tulsa, right? The the first black wall street, like there's so many things. Um, And I feel like that kind of got stripped from us over time to where it forced us to feel like we have to compete with, with each other um, and that there's not enough room for everyone to make it. But I am here to tell you that there is, um, like, there's so much money out there. There's so much. Like, just create your own lane, yo. Like, sometimes I think about that when I listen to music. I'm a big hip-hop head, by the way. Um, And anybody that knows me personally knows I know way too many lyrics. Um, (laughs) But, you know, there's a reason why Hove can coexist against Nas. There's a reason why Kendrick can coexist against Cole, there's a reason why Lil Uzi can coexist coexist against Lil Yachty, right? And I use them specifically because depending on who you talk to, all of these rappers kind of have something similar, right? So Yachty and, and Uzi, you know, they're they're part of the the new generation. Cole and Kendrick, like we rely on them for kind of like that hood gospel, right? Like I don't want to just hear about Molly and Percocet all day. Like let me get some like yeah like some substance to this and then you know hove and nas like iconic right but they all have millions of fans they all have their own money they all have their own lane and they all do the same damn thing Mm. and you know i feel like too often you know even like we choose sides like oh hove is better or you know effie or i don't like whoever like you know, I feel like we always are so quick to just tear down and forget about like, hey, if they can make a lane, I can make one too. Even if I'm doing the exact same thing as them. Like it's not swagger jacking, it's not any of that stuff. It's just 
finding what you're passionate about and, and doing it uniquely. Um, and I definitely say that for anyone that's working in tech, because you're going to have 20 competitors. Every, every startup has at least five to 10 direct competitors, right? But do you think these white guys sit around thinking about, oh, I'm not going to start, you know, I don't, the founders of Lyft didn't say, I'm not going to do Lyft because there's already Uber. And then you think about Via, and then you think about Juno, and then mm-hmm. you think about Skirt and all of these other car services. Why? Because everyone has a lane. I got Lyft and Uber on my phone. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Like, you can get the money. Like, stop thinking that you can't. Mm, I love that you ended on a phenomenal note. This was a thorough, meticulous. Like we had it in like an hour and ten. Like, and I and I just used the made up word. So I'm pumped up. So I'm gonna keep it going. It's like a rapper this freestyle. He just said a rhyme, a rhyme. It didn't make no sense, but you just keep flowing with the cadence, and you got the energy, and everybody's rocking. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But real talk, phenomenal interview. And before we go, before we go, I think you mentioned online, but once again, tell us where we can find all the information at about what you do, where you're at online, where everybody could find 2020 Shift. Yes. So if you want to look for 2020 Shift, it's just 2020 Shift on everything. Um, So 2020shift.com, 2020shift on Facebook, 2020shift on Instagram, LinkedIn, and anything else you can imagine. Um, And if you're looking for me personally, um, it's at Ariel Lopez on Twitter, um, and Ariel Lopez XO on Instagram, Ariel Lopez on LinkedIn. Love it. And make it. Yep. And make sure, guys, 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 for my pick your brain folk, like she said, find challenges before you find brains to pick. To do not <laughs> do not email her. How do I get in the text? She just gave you the blueprint. Find a challenge. Find something. Do not send me no message. Can't connect me to Ariel Lopez. Do not. I'm telling you, do not do it. <laughs> Cause I'm like seriously, people are gonna. This is what's gonna happen. I'm posted. Some everybody's gonna hit my inbox. Hey, gee, can you connect with her? Or how do you, how do I get into tech? Dog, we just talked about it on an interview, bro. Like find a challenge first. Find her challenges. Look online. See something you can improve. Then reach out. Don't say can you pick your brand. She just gave an hour of freaking content to you, but. I'm, I'm off that. Uh, everybody, thank y'all for listening. And uh, as we always do, as we always do, I need you to do two things. It's two things only. And you're saying, like, what is that, Mr. You're going to ask me to do so much. No, I asked enough. What is that? Change the freaking culture. Good night.